0: Good morning and welcome to Talk Clarity. I'm your host, Coach Clarity. We'll continue on with our series on behaviors in relationships, segment four, healthy versus unhealthy, boundaries in relationships, patterns in relationships, fawning, manipulation, gaslighting, and the backdoor discard phase with Haley the therapist.
1: tribal individuals we started off in tribes and this whole individualistic this idea and i'm not trying to get political here i'm not political by any means um but definitely with like covid and the things that have separated us i'm, I'm seeing a huge rise in separation anxiety in um perfectionism and imposter syndrome in these things that are are coming out that that humans we're just not made for we're not made to do this alone we're made to do this in a community and if we can have our community and our community is healthy we're going to thrive but if we're the healthiest person in our toxic cesspool we need to get out of that cesspool and get into a
0: bigger pool <laughs> <laughs> right wow <laughs> oh. let's dive in a little bit into I'd like to dive into relationships a little bit more mm-hmm. and it was interesting. I had a, had a friend who was, she was in a relationship and she had a great guy. He, yeah, he, he seemed really great and she's awesome. Um, but he had, you know, he had his own, he had his own company, he had his own business and he ran, um, he ran this business, it was a small business, but he ran this business and had, um, Employees, but he had what she described as he had these unhealthy relationships with with females associated with with his business. Uh, one in particular, an uh, un- unhealthy relationship that just that she described as as um, where she her boyfriend was. Um, communicating with his employee's girlfriend to get him to work and to control those strings. And, um, and the only way that, that he would go to work. um, And she said that he wouldn't, he wouldn't go to, he wouldn't go to work and then he would lose out on, on thousands of dollars. So the only way that he would go to work is if he would text his girlfriend, bash his employee to the girlfriend and then she'd get on to him. Well, it was a bash session of the boyfriend be- between the two that constantly existed. But allegedly, you know, no cheating, nothing going on. A really great guy. Um, it was really confusing to to kind of hear the picture and, and understand it. But if you could just give us a little bit of insight into what's normal, what's appropriate. How somebody could do it better because I really believe that he did not see this as being inappropriate. So, can you, if you could kind of dive into what's appropriate in relationships of the opposite sex, even and what's not, what are the boundaries?
1: And I believe in today's relationships, that in particular is up to the individuals to decide together of what is acceptable and what is not, because you have relationships now that are polyamorous. Right so what's acceptable and what's not and I feel like a lot of the relationships that we have defined now are, are so diverse versus the beaver cleaver <laughs> nuclear family that we um, grew up seeing on television um, and I think that appropriateness really has to do with the individual's level of comfort and trust and A relationship like that takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of communication, healthy communication, a lot of healthy confrontation, too, because conflict is good in a relationship. That's how you learn. And so you have to have these conversations beforehand, before they happen, or as if they if they come up, have an open and honest conversation with each other about it. Of let's say that, you know, he is texting his his boss's girlfriend. Is that what it was? and like inappropriately yeah um if that's a boundary crossing for the the girlfriend that he is with then definitely have a conversation about it like hey this is not okay for me this is this is making me feel you know unsafe um I'm starting to feel a little trust issues come up and let's talk about this like okay so I found this can you explain it from your point of view and then he'll explain it from his point of view. And then you say, okay, this is my point of view. And let's come up with a middle ground of what, let's work this out. Let's come up with a contract, right? Or um, we might have to agree to disagree and dissolve. What if you're
0: being told that that they're, they're, you know, what if they're telling you that you're, they're telling her, I should say, that she's being controlling and that it's his business. This is how he makes his money. What if he turns it around as you're being controlling now you're manipulating me, you're controlling me and this doesn't, this, I don't like the way this makes me feel. Ooh, so that's
1: gaslighting. So you are, it always starts with you are, that's like their, their go-to phrase. So if it's like you're being, or you are so, and they'll intensify it. Right. So (laughs) like that word is makes it so much bigger. But it does in our brain because our brain speaks a language, speaks English. And so English words register in a certain pattern, a certain way in our brains. That's what they use to control. And they use it subconsciously. This is not something that you learn in school. This is something that you learn through the school of hard knocks. This is something that they learned that works for them to manipulate them to get that other
0: person to go away.
1: To throw it off their attacker.
0: So this isn't, so this is a you would say almost a pattern in relationships.
1: Yeah, it's a fawn response. It's a survivor's response. So there's four different survivors' responses. There's flight, there's fight, there's freeze, and there's fawn. Fawning is manipulation. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because you're trying
1: to woo. You're trying to manipulate your their attacker so they'll go away. Codependence, we do this. By avoiding, by withdrawing, by yes, okay, what do you need? I'll do anything. That's where the Stockholm syndrome comes in. That's where the controlling behaviors on the other side of toxicity come in.
0: You know exiting a, a relationship with with somebody who's embodied a lot of these um, toxic behaviors and and um, traits that, that you've seen in a relationship um hardest thing to
1: do because to, you have to, to break to, the addiction
0: well to be up to be able to get out so what's interesting though is i'd actually like you to touch in on different ways that maybe some of these toxic individuals will break up with an individual without breaking up with an individual Oh, again, this
1: can look so many different ways. It's, I'm breaking up with you. I hate you. Don't leave me. (laughs) That's exactly how that goes. In behaviors, they'll say, okay, I'm never going to text you again. You're blocked. But then they text you the next day from a different number. Or they stalk you on your profiles or let's say that it comes back into the Hoover phase,
0: right? What if, they will find a way. What if they, what if they say, after I would say an explosive fight that they created,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, what if they say I need space and they've taken space for two weeks and they're cold and they're distant. Mm-hmm. And. After you've just dealt with a mess of how they treated you, you're left there to pick up the pieces, right? And they're like, they're just cold and they're just distant, but they, they text you every day, but yet they don't want to see you. Are they trying to, I think what I'm trying to ask is, are they trying to get you to break up with them or are they really wanting space?
1: No, this is part of the discard phase. Really? Yeah. So again, going back to the four phases, right? There's love bombing, there's devaluing, And then there's discard, and then there's the Hoover. So they, or the Hover, Hover Hoover, Um, when they discard you, that's when they break up with you, and they don't actually break up. They leave a back door open. They leave an option open. So what do you mean? What, I mean, in in the majority of situations, they'll either uh, stay around the same friend group. Or let's say that you talk to their family still. They know that they have that back door open. Um, they will stay connected to you either financially or mm. emotionally in some way. They'll start dating your best friend. Um, they'll start – like, they'll they'll still stay in your circle to keep an eye on you until – and that's why you always think, like, when you – I don't know if, if I'm the only one to do this, but <laughs> in the past, what I have done is I would put on my social media like certain videos of um, like, oh, well, you know, the hardest thing is to walk away and it'd be like all somber and then I'd be like having fun and, and they would know, like they would be looking at my social profiles and be like, she's doing good in life, time to knock on her door, time to come back. And so, the flags that you give off, especially on social media, they'll pick up on those in a heartbeat and be like, "Mm, yep, time to swoop in. She needs a savior. She needs a protector. She needs something. When things are
0: going good or bad.
1: When things are going great for you, you're healing. They don't like that. They can't have that. Interesting. Some will swoop in when you're in a bad situation and say, well, I will be your hero.
0: What about if you see the opposite of that and they example your friends with them still on social media and they go in and untag themselves in all of your photos within 24 hours of something exciting happening? That would be the discard phase.
1: And it's also devaluing you. It's like, I'm going to remove myself from your life that like I was never here. And that is the withdrawal of the drug. You no longer have a supply. So where do you look for your supply? Either you look for it in other toxic relationships or you look to them because they're the easiest drug dealer around.
0: Right.